You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Jake Corley. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast. You're listening to episode 186. Mark, where in the world are you at today? I'm in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, and I'm literally at the backgammon table outside of the lobby overlooking the pool. I'm speaking tomorrow at the the National National, what am I speaking at tomorrow? That's a really shame I can't remember. National Association of Steel Pipe Distributors. I've been on this roll for most of this year with my what's the future of oil and gas since they invited me up here picked up the cost and everything and it's gonna be a fun day tomorrow but it's kind of nice to be recording a podcast out by the pool yeah i don't have that luxury i'm in the studio <laughs> yeah. in houston <laughs> but you know what's funny jake i left this morning flew up this morning it was actually cool in houston i get here it's hot as heck right it's, it's usually the reverse usually when i leave houston it's cool wherever i go oh, yeah we got a nice breeze today so i can't really complain let's see are we get any reviews oh uh, we absolutely have some reviews thanks from philadelphia by Mikey O'Neill 11 from the US of A. Hi, Mark and Jake. Thanks for making it easy to stay up to date on the latest in the industry. I'm working with a mineral PE shop in Philadelphia who's focused in the Permian. So we miss out on some of the industry talk. Any tips and early signs of a great new play? You know, you private equity guys and your venture capital guys, you could pay Jake and I for our, our input. We, we do give it away for free, but any new signs of a great new play jake any any want to answer that or not really i actually had this exact same conversation today did you really yeah i was having the same thing because we were talking about terminal decline in some of the basins looking back at i think it was the eagleford had already reached a terminal decline recently and then the bakken is, is probably soon to fall in the next few years and so we we're talking about terminal decline in the, in the permian and kind of thinking about you know what's going to be next and we don't have an answer so it's something that I'm, I'm thinking about. It's something I'm paying attention to. But yeah, we're not really sure what the next hot thing is going to be. And if somebody knew, they'd be making a lot of money at this point. Yeah, you know what I think is going to be hot soon is, is offshore. And, and not deep water and ultra deep water, not HPHT. But I, I think offshore is coming back. But that's not really a new play. Yeah, I would agree. I think offshore... Yeah, it's not a it's not a new play. I mean, it's just you're you're going back to a different strategy. Same thing with conventionals. Conventionals are coming back, you know, kind of to being in vogue again because the business model makes sense. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'm paying attention to it. If I can figure it out before they can, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll scoot the acreage. And <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and just jump into the news stories. <laughs> yeah. So uh, kind of on that topic, you know, obviously with the signs of everything that we've seen in the markets lately, with kind of the the shale quote unquote bubble kind of bursting, doesn't mean shale is over. I just think that this iteration of it is. And so here's a great article from Bloomberg that's kind of diving into that. And and the main focus of the article was saying that the EIA, so the US Energy Information Administration, recently went back and actually readjusted its oil production forecast for the end of 2020. They keep going in and readjusting. This is like the fourth, I think fourth month in a row or fourth quarter in a row. I think it's fourth month in a row that they've readjusted it. So now they're only expecting it to rise by just 370,000 barrels a day over the course of the next year. And so that's a, that's a far cry from where it was projected out previously. Yeah, there's a lot of truth in this article. It's a good article. It's it's funny. So we're working on our 2020 predictions, and, and this is going to play a part in there. One of the interesting things about looking forward in the future in oil and gas, 75% of the new growth in demand, so not 75% in demand, but 75% of the new growth in demand globally is petrochemicals. It's the first time in, in the history of the planet that petrochemicals are, are equate that much demand for, for crude and natural gas. The other thing I think is is interesting about this article is, is they talk about how, it's a great analogy, how you know we just came out of the teenage years of the shell boom 
in, in North America and we're entering into adult years where we have to learn to adult. So that's things like capital efficiencies, uh, running a lean operation. But Jake, you and I have been talking about we're in a hydrocarbon abundant world for years. That was my predictions in 2013 or 2014, something like that. And this is just a perfect sign of that. Like there's an oversupply, not an oversupply, but the supply is healthy right now globally. So of course, production is going to fall a little bit. The thing is, what's it going to do next year? Right, we're at the end of this year. Typically, uh, production does slow down toward the end of the year for a bunch of reasons. But the big thing is what's going to happen in 2020. And I don't know. I have my predictions, but you've got to wait till November to find out. Yeah, I, I have my own predictions as well. I don't know if our predictions are aligned or not, but I think it's going to be a, a nice steady decline for the next at least six to 12 months. Past that point, it's kind of a toss up. I think there's a lot of things that we have to to kind of analyze and, and adjust to kind of see where it's going to go from that point. So you're saying you think that the decline in shale is going to continue for most of next year, not the decline in oil production everywhere. Or are you saying oil production everywhere? I need to look at the data and see and see how much from, say, these these top shell producers currently, how much of, of the total overall production is from that. And then I'll make a I'll make a judgment. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a two part. Maybe you'll make your predictions and then maybe I'll make my predictions. Yeah. So that would be fun. Jake, that would be a blast. And what would be cool is if we did it with, without talking to each other. So there's no sharing of information, just so it's so fresh. And the first time we hear each other's predictions is when we do it on the mic. Yeah. So so audience, we, we may just do that. That that actually will be fun. That'll be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Let's do that. Next one, also kind of just talking about, you know, the markets and stuff. And a lot of the first articles is is really focused on that. Inveris comes out with a report on the third quarter U.S. operator M&A activity has now surpassed 17 billion. And I believe I pulled this article a few days ago. And since then, there have actually been another merger. So I'll go and start off with that one. So that one was Parsley Energy, who many thought to be an acquisition target, actually made an acquisition, an all-stock deal for Jagged Peak Energy. I don't have the article in front of me, but I believe it was for a few billion. I think it was like 2.1 billion. I could be completely wrong. So don't quote me on that. But yeah, so we've seen 17 billion. So now with that acquisition, closer to $20 billion in m activity for specifically the third quarter. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So we called this, called it wrong in 2014. I said this, that 2015 was going to be a big m activity, but we called it last year for this year. And it's looked like it's, it's paying out. It is interesting how much private equity money is playing into all this. I don't quite know what to make of that. I, I think you know, the beginning of the shell boom, I think a lot of private equity money was misused. I think people have gotten smarter about that, especially the PE companies. So, you know, I'm glad they're there, but it is, it is going to be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of the shell guys are just absolutely hurting. They're not, they're not in great positions, but there still is money out there. There are people who've kind of just stockpiled cash waiting for the perfect opportunity. And I think we're going to see a lot more acquisitions, a lot more M&A, especially, like I said, over the next six to 12 months, you know, along with that, we'll see more bankruptcies. We're right up to about 30 so far. Yeah. It's, I don't know about you. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I've never seen this much capital sitting on the sidelines and all gas ever in my history. It's, there's, there's a lot of money sitting, waiting for stuff to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So like I mentioned, kind of segueing right into the next article, I was talking about the latest energy bankruptcy, which is Sheridan. Sheridan 2, I believe was the, the Sheridan Holding Company 2 was the, the actual holding company for this. Sheridan, the first one had been around for quite some time. So they, they filed chapter 11 and looking to slash $900 million in debt out of their total $1.1 billion in debt. So they're they're following in the in the paths of, uh, you know, the recent bankruptcies that we've seen are Halcon Resources, Sanchez Energy, Alta Mesa, EP Energy. And like I said, that brings us up to right about 30 EMP bankruptcies so far this year. And we're not done. 
we're not done. I would expect to see a significant more for the rest of the year. And like I said, for the next six to 12 months, unfortunately, it's just that these guys, you know, the production that they they brought online has come in way under what they projected. So therefore the revenue is a lot less. GNA and cost are, are much higher than they expected. And these guys levered up to the gills based on their original projections and the revenue is not there to even service the interest payments for these. And so a lot of these guys, EP Energy is a great example of that. EP Energy for the last three years did everything by the book to try to get as much free cash flow as possible. And they pay down on interest, but they did not make one principal payment for that debt and eventually just decided to, to file chapter 11. So it's an unfortunate reality, but it's part of the restructuring and we'll get out of this stronger. Yeah, the other thing that, that a lot of people made mistakes on is they thought that oil was going to get back to $70, $75 a barrel, and that's what they use for their financial modeling in the future, and and it just didn't happen. Now, if we have something bad happen in the Middle East, which I'm getting pretty sure that it probably will happen, you'll see prices spike, but not not long enough and not strong enough to keep these people from going under. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's move away from kind of, I mean, this is kind of on the, on the, on the topic. This kind of talks about geopolitics and also the state of the industry. The California governor, Gavin Newsom on Saturday, so last Saturday, signed a law intended to counter Trump administration's plan to increase oil and gas production on public lands there in California. So he tried to put in some measures that bars any California leasing authority from allowing pipelines or other oil and gas infrastructure to be built on state property and a lot more difficult to to drill, obviously, on these federal lands. Come on, California. You pay the highest gasoline and diesel prices in the country. You have the highest electricity rates in the country. You import 80% of your crew that you need to run your state from Canada, right, which is horrible for the environment as opposed to pipelines. I mean, it's your state. Y'all can do what you want, but this is just getting insane. You know, the other thing I saw, Jake, and I can't remember if we talked about it in the last show, but there's actually municipalities in California that are passing zoning laws so that it's illegal to pipe natural gas to new construction. So, so they're they're forcing all electricity. We did talk about this in the last show, which just just could be more money, more expense for the people that live in California. It's, you know, and, and this is a bit of a, a political give and take. You know, uh, our current administration, President Trump, is trying to make it easier and better for the oil and gas companies to operate inside of the U.S. so that we can lose our dependency on foreign oil. And here's the governor of California basically trying to push back on the on the president. So that's going on as well too. But I really just wish they would have some common sense here. But I don't see, I don't, that's not going to be my predictions that California's going to pick up common sense in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> that is something that will not be in my predictions either. All right, moving more into some more geopolitics. An Iranian oil tanker was hit by missiles in the Red Sea. Obviously, it's a little bit old news by now. This is about a week old or so. Mark, has anything else happened since then? You know, from what we believe, the, I think Iran was saying that they thought it was Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia thought it was Iran or possibly some of these Islamic groups are going over there. Radical groups are, are bombing this. Has anything else happened? And what are your thoughts? Yeah. So we had this, the whole Syria, Turkey thing going on. We pulled our troops out. What a lot of people don't realize is we didn't really have a whole bunch of troops. We had a very small force there that honestly weren't big enough to protect themselves. The other thing that's going on that there's something bigger here and I can't figure it out, but it's, it's, it's going to unfold soon is we've poured a lot of troops in, in Saudi Arabia, but Saudi Arabia is actually paying us for it. So now if Congress has a conniption fit of us spending money over there, they can't pull that that card out and use it because now Saudi Arabia is, is paying for our troops to be over there. And, and there's something bigger going on, and I can't quite get my hands around it. So, you know, stay tuned, audience. But there's something geopolitically big going on, and I guarantee it involves Russia, 
involves U.S. It involves Saudi Arabia. And so I don't know, but but something's going on over there. What what I don't want to have happen is full out war. And unfortunately, I think we might be headed that way. Now, the good thing is, I guess this is not, there's no good thing. I'm sorry. The oil and gas industry for a little while will benefit if we have a war breakout in the Middle East because prices will spike. Even the, the threat of the perception will cause prices to spike. Well, what will happen that will be different, though, if that does happen, is that us and Russia will then fight to take that market share from OPEC who won't be able to deliver. And then when the hostilities get settled, and they will with the U.S. involved, they promise you it will get settled, and everything goes back to normal, now the U.S. and Russia has more market share, maybe to the point where, where it really hurts OPEC. And OPEC knows that. Specifically, Saudi Arabia is the main member of OPEC. And that's why I'm telling you, this paying for our troops, and we've we've got, I think we've got two aircraft carriers in the Straits right now, and we got, what is it? 5,000 troops headed out that way. I mean, this is something's going on. Don't know what it is yet. Hopefully, we don't go into war. I don't want to see any of our, our troops get injured or put in harm's way, but something's going on, and, and we just have to pay attention and see what happens. All right. So, in some more positive news, let's kind of change the pace a little bit and look a bit to some of the tech companies in the space. RigUp has been in this space for quite some time. So, they're a developer, they developed a, a contractor hiring platform for the oil and gas industry. They recently raised a $300 million Series D round, valuing them at $1.9 billion. That's awesome and good for RigUp. So here's the interesting thing. The round was led by Andreessen Horowitz. Andreessen Horowitz is one of the most prolific venture capital groups in the world, and they don't invest in oil and gas, but now they did. And so, yeah, so it's a very interesting sign. So some of the the existing investors was Founders Fund, ran by Peter Thiel. They've made multiple investments in oil and gas. You also got Bedrock Capital, Quantum Energy Partners, Brookfield Growth Partners, and Bailey Gifford. I'm not sure. I don't know if that's an individual or if that's a that's a firm. So it's interesting. I've had a lot of talks about with people in this space, no beef with rig up whatsoever. I believe the valuation is probably quite high. Just my opinion. I have no clue as to how many transactions they're doing or what the revenue looks like or what their growth plan is going to be, whether they're going to diversify into renewables or different industries or something like that. But just just so everyone knows, Inverus was bought probably for, nobody knows really for sure. I don't know for sure. Ballpark a billion dollars, the private equity group that bought them and just considering the amount of market share that they have. And so for me, it's 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 hard to kind of justify the valuation. Like I said, I'm not take, throwing shade. If I was in their position and somebody offered me a $2 billion valuation, I would take it too. So I'm just kind of keeping an eye on it and let's see how it goes. And best of luck to the guys at Rig Up and congratulations. I think it's fantastic for you. Yeah. What's interesting is it's sort of like what RigUp does, just in a different way. And it's, it's one of those things like, darn it, I should have did this five years ago <laughs> instead of this year because they're ahead yeah, of me. Yeah. But yeah, congratulations to them. It's going to be interesting to see where they go. With a name like RigUp, you think they would stay in the oil and gas industry? But definitely, I can see them venturing out other places, especially with this much investment. I mean, they're you know when you have that big of an investment, somebody doesn't write you a check and goes away. They write you a check and they give you certain goals that you have to hit at a certain time frame. And that typically tends to be sales. So you know the pressure's on for them to grow and and let's keep eye on them but you know to your point uh, yeah i would take 1.9 billion valuation in a heartbeat all right up next also is something that has been a little controversial based on some of the comments and stuff that i've seen on social media baker hughes is newly independent and so general electric also known as ge recently sold off a majority of their stake in baker hughes now baker hughes is now once again operating as an independent company and so they made a major shift, a major rebrand, which I think is essential, you know, if you're rebranding as a newly independent company again. But they switched all of their colors from blue to green, and they're kind of putting more of an emphasis on 
they're kind of following the same footsteps, I believe, as a lot of some of the, the larger companies, such as, who am I trying to think of? Equinor, for example, rebranding from Statoil to, to, to Equinor to kind of be a little bit more green, a little bit more, a little less oil and gas and a little bit more energy, if that makes sense. That's kind of the best way that I can kind of sum that up. So, Mark, what are your thoughts? I got a real strong opinion about this. I'm going to try not to go down my rant on this. So first thing, great for Baker Hughes. We love them as a company. They're the sponsor of our Permian Perspective podcast. Great people doing great stuff. I just now got used to calling it Baker Hughes GE. And now they're going to switch the stock ticker back. It's not going to be BHGE anymore. It's like, darn it. But the other thing is, at some point as an industry, we need to stop backing down. We need to be straight up up front that we are green, that we are environmentally responsible, right? We're the most environmentally responsible industry I know. Everybody that works in this industry is measured on their impact to the environment, their HS&E metrics, right? And at some point, we have to say, okay, we can be green and produce hydrocarbons. In fact, carbon dioxide is plant fuel. It doesn't get more greener than producing carbon dioxide. And I know I'm going to get hate mail on that one. I'm, I'm kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it is true. you know. And, and so we're in discussions with a couple of companies to address this. Uh, one of our future podcasts is going to be something aimed squarely at this, at, at getting the truth out there. So not politics, not opinions, but the truth about our industry, what we really do, because nobody's telling a good story. And I get it, especially when you're a public company, that the public perception, especially of your shareholders, is important. But at some point, just be okay with being an oil and gas company. Don't let the people out there that think that we don't appreciate the planet and we don't appreciate the environment push you into a corner. Honestly, I don't like their logo. I, quite frankly, I, I, I think it looks, it's not Baker Hughes. It's not the Baker Hughes I know, right? And, and I know we're moving toward a new future in the industry as a whole, much more tech, much more flexible, different processes, different tools, different technologies. But I'm, I guess maybe because I'm a little bit older, I still just like, you know, I have no problem saying I work in the oil and gas industry. I don't ever say I work in the energy industry. Nothing against it. It just, that's what we do. And I just tire of this trend of companies backing away for, from that. And I'm not saying fight. But just stand your ground and be okay with who you are. I mean, Baker Hughes has a long, 100-year history of doing really cool stuff all over the world. I just wish they were okay with that. But once again, you know, they, their CEO didn't call you and me and ask our opinion. They should have, right? But they didn't. <laughs> I agree 100%. So that actually wraps it up for the story today. Uh, a little bit shorter. Are we doing a giveaway still? Heck yeah, we're still doing a giveaway. If you want to win this really cool t-shirt, we spent a couple bucks on this. They're cut for men and women. You can register really quick. Go to the show notes, click on the uh, registration link. People, if you don't win, you can enter every week. <laughs> you don't have to enter once. And if you don't win, never come back. But these shirts are uniquely serial numbers. So each shirt has a, its own number. And later this year and next year, Jake and I will be giving away some cool prizes based upon the numbers of those shirts. You know what, Jake? We've given away almost 400 of these shirts. Really? Yeah. Oh, wait, no, no, no. I got that wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, <laughs> not 400. We've given away 44 of these shirts, not 400. <laughs> so there's 44 numbers out there. There's a little bit little bit of a discrepancy there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired, man. I got on a plane early today. So, so yeah, go, go register to win that. And then what's the rig count doing, Jake? The rig count is, drum roll, 862, 0% change from previous week. Yeah, low number. Speaking of low number, our street team doesn't have a low number. If you want to be a volunteer for OGGN, we ask you to help us with our social media. We ask you for an hour's worth of work a week. But if you can't give us an hour, we're okay with that too. Go to the Facebook group, join the street team. And then if you want to know about all the oil and gas events that are going on everywhere, you can sign up for the monthly oil and gas events newsletter. It's free. It's a tool that I put together for my own use, and now people want access to it, so I give it to you for free. And then, Jake, you like coffee? I do, but I don't drink it. You don't drink it. Well, if you do like coffee and you like to travel, once again, in the, in the links in the show notes, go click on the BCT, 
BCD travel link. They're giving away free coffee to our listeners. And they're also our travels partner's choice. So they make our oil and gas traveling life easier. And I'm telling you, anytime you can make traveling easier, it's a good thing to do. So go check them out. And then speaking of speaking, because that's what we start the show with. If you want Jake and I to come to your sales and marketing kickoff, your conference, whatever, reach out to us and we'll share the details. We've done everything from very select keynotes to actually bring in live podcasts. And it's always a hit no matter where we go. So if you're interested in that, reach out to us. We'll, we'll definitely talk you through what, it, what we need to do. And then first Friday Q&A, we, Jake and I both know that we never do it on the first Friday, but that was the original name. So we're sticking with it because it's tradition. But submit a question. If we use your question on the air, you'll get a big shout out. Please, though, folks, remember the goal is not to stump Jake and I. It's to help educate our audiences. We got some questions that are coming up that a couple of them are like really hard. And then while you're online, just go ahead and go to the website, allandgasthisweek.com. Give us your email address. We're getting ready to change all that. So somewhere in the next couple of months with all these individual websites that we had for each podcast, marketing guy, Tim, finally talked me into after about eight months, <laughs> he finally got me to see the light. And we're going to go to one OGG and website where each podcast has its own page. Your unique link will still work. So in this case, you can still go to allandgasthisweek.com and it will bring you to that page. But the truth is, less than 1% of our listeners listen to it on the desktop. And I can probably guess the age of the people that do listen to it on the desktop. Most of our traffic's on mobile. And uh, speaking of most of our traffic's on mobile, Jake, do you want to know how many listeners we're up to with this show? I looked it up the other day for something else, and it's amazing. How many? 712,000. Just, just the show. Jeez. Yeah. So big shout out to all of our, our longtime listeners, all of our new listeners. Literally, without y'all, none of this would be possible. It would be Jake and I talking ourselves, which would be kind of weird. So thank you, listeners, for, for helping us get where we are. And we're still continuing to grow. Whew, that's a lot. Short show. We ready to get out of here, Jake? Let's do it. All right, folks, remember, do great work. Pay it forward. And we will see you next time. And here are the events on deck. Hey, guys. We have a couple of OGGN events on deck for the next month. OGGN's next Houston Happy Hour will be on October 29th at the Cannon for 4 to 6. As always, a portion of the proceeds will go toward Redeem Ministries to fight human sex trafficking. At this happy hour, we'll be discussing the process of taking a startup from simply an idea to obtaining the first purchase orders. The panel discussion will include Saudi Aramco Ventures, Shell Ventures, NOV, SCF Ventures, Eternal Energy, and Well Diver. Our next Denver Happy Hour will be on November 6th. Come join us for food, drinks, and a live podcast that we will announce at a later date. A portion of this event's proceeds will go to local charities Safe House Denver and Oil Field Helping Hands. Okay, now to the events on deck. The Tomorrow Lestat Oil and Gas Summit 2019 will be on October 3rd through 4th in Dilly, Tomorrow Lestat. The SMRP third quarter West Houston chapter meeting is on October 3rd at 1130 in Houston. This event will cover the topic, Are Your PMs Preventing or Causing Failures? IPAA and TIPRO are hosting their Leaders in Industry Luncheon on October 9th in Houston. On October 14th, the Canon will be having a Disruptive Energy Workshop. The API Golf Tournament will be held on October 14th, 2019 at Kingwood Country Club. And as of right now, there are some spots still open, so be sure to check their website and register your team. The 2019 Operations and Process Technology Summit will be on October 14th through 16th in San Antonio. The summit will cover maximizing your molecular advantage, practical solutions for today, forethought for tomorrow. On October 24th, OGGN's very own Mark LaCour will be speaking at Tech to Market in Shreveport, Louisiana. 
The Balkans Petroleum Conference will be held on October 24th through 25th in Budva, Montenegro. The summit is the official event for the Balkans oil and gas industries. Lastly, the George H. Bush Conference this year will be on October 28th through 29th in Houston. Honoring President George H.W. Bush, the Bush-China Conference brings together Americans and Chinese to discuss critical bilateral, regional, and global issues and to generate innovative recommendations for advancing the relationship. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a product of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasthisweek.com.